0: You may be seated. At this time, we uh, have a special announcement that we want to give you, but first, I invite Jesse and Callie and their son Luke if they would come forward, and they're going to give that announcement for us here today.
1: Thank you. Good morning. Um, Kelly and Luke and I just wanted to share some news with you guys. Um, most of you, I think, know to some degree. Um, we feel that God has directly called us to to move out of the area and to move to Duluth, Minnesota. Um, we it, it it kind of caught us off guard um, because we had been praying about this for for almost two years, um, and it was wait 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 wait. Okay, go now, and um and and. Sometimes I think that's how God likes to work, um, and so that's what we're doing. And we're actually moving—we're moving out of Eau Claire on October fifteenth. So very quickly, and this is our last Sunday. Um, so I guess just wanted to to at least mention what's going on, mention why uh, we feel that we're being called um, to do that and why we're doing it so quickly, and um, it's goodbyes are always um, hard, and we consider the whole church to be our second family. Um, most of you, we see more than our, our first family, <laughs> um, so just have really appreciated um, our time here and getting to know everybody and, and serving alongside you, and Um, just be praying for us um, during this transition and um, we'll continue to stop in and and visit you guys as well Um, we'll be in Eau Claire pretty regularly so did you have anything that you wanted to add? I
2: don't think so you covered it pretty well Um, I just want to say just thank you again for I might start crying (laughs) Um, all of the love and just the family that we've had here at this church Um, and having Luke for you know Having his, his him grow up a little bit here and see the love of the of Christ and um, just you can see Christ in everybody here and just the love that we've gained um, from those around us um, when he was born before he was born um, just all of the relationships that we have uh, here it's you guys will definitely dearly be missed and I wish I could take you all with us <laughs> so but <laughs> anyways. I think Jesse has said most of it. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you.
0: Um, we want to take this moment to, to pray for Jesse and Callie and Luke. If you are on the board uh, and if you're on the worship team, if you would, I invite you up to pray over them. Um, and if you're not able to come up, if you want to just stretch out your hands to pray over them at this time, you're invited to do so. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this family, and we trust and we know, Lord, that uh, just as you've brought them here, that you are bringing them out, that you are the one sending them to a new location. So first, Lord, what we pray for and what we ask is that you would go before them. Go to that place that they're supposed to be and prepare a place for them, a place for ministry, a place to live, uh, that you would be there and make it ready. That when they move in, they would know that is their new home and that is the place that they have been called to. God, we also pray that you would lead them to a new church that they can serve. And Lord, we pray that this new church, uh, that you are the center, that you are the one that's calling them there. Use them. Use their gifts, Lord. uh, Use their lives for your glory. And God, as we send them out, we pray that, that we would continue to have this mindset that as people come into this church, we send them out for the Great Commission, Lord that they would go and make disciples. So, Lord, we pray that you use Jesse and Callie and Luke to go and make disciples throughout the world. We send them out in trust. We pray that you give them safety in everything that they do. And, Lord, we pray that you go with them. Amen. It's always hard to to say goodbyes, but the neat thing about being in a Christian community is that when you say goodbye, even though you're absent in the body, you're present through the Holy Spirit. So we trust that where they go, we're going to be with them also. If you would turn to Revelation chapter 21, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. You know what? I like this passage. We're going to read to verse 8. Hope you're okay with that. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, immoral persons, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death." We are going through a series. Uh, We started it a few weeks ago through the book of Genesis, and and if you remember, the title of that series was, This Is Us, The Beginning. Um, Well, I changed it just a little bit because we're going through this series about the beginning. Where did it all begin? What was God's intention with creation? And, And where did we start out as humanity? And I thought this was a great place after Pastor Mark preached on chapter 3 to pause for a moment and take a look at where are we headed? What was God's plan from the very beginning? And Pastor Mark touched a little bit on this last week when he read Revelation 22, that the grand plan in it all was to bring us back to the Garden of Eden, the intention that he had originally. So here we are, the tail end of Revelation 21, and and if you've not read the book of Revelation, I encourage you to go and read that book. Uh, If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you read the book of Revelation, it is very much a book of hope. It is a book of hope because what we get from that book is that no matter what happens in this world or the life to come, God is victorious. And as you go throughout the book of Revelation, what you see is that the one who's writing the letter John is, is brought up into heaven and he sees this beautiful scene from heaven. He sees how wonderful it is to worship God for eternity. And then as he sees what's going on in heaven, he sees what's going down on earth and he sees that the earth is crumbling and that, and that chaos is happening. But all in the midst of that, heaven is coming down to earth. And so we have here in Revelation 21, this this beautiful scene of what the ending is going to look like. This is where God is bringing us to. It's an ending where heaven is going to come down to earth. Just about a week and a half ago, I had the privilege of uh, going back to my home state of Michigan and performing a wedding for my best friend. He was getting married to uh, his fiancee. They had been engaged for about two years now, and they were finally doing the wedding. and They asked me to do it, and and I was just ecstatic to go back and be a part of it. and It was a beautiful wedding, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the one that performed the wedding. It really was a beautiful wedding. It it was just incredible. And, And if I ever get the chance to do a wedding here, you guys just need to know I love weddings. And I tear up at weddings especially that scene in the wedding after the groomsmen and the bridesmaids have lined up and, uh, and then the piano begins to play the, the entrance for the bride and everyone stands up and the bride comes because you always look at the groom and the groom always has a smile on his face. He cannot wait for that bride to walk down the aisle. And so that's what I was preparing for at this wedding. So I had my notes down, and I got to the wedding early. My mom was with me. She wanted to see him get married. And we sat there, and and I was going over my notes for the wedding, and her and I were exchanging stories about different weddings that I had done, that my dad had done in the past. And before we knew it, something goofy happened. We started to talk about funerals. All of a sudden we got from, oh yeah, I did this wedding a while ago and it was for this person or that person and yeah, yeah. Was that the same church that so-and-so had his funeral? Yeah, I remember that funeral. That was a tough one. And we started exchanging stories about funerals that we had just done recently, funerals that we did in the past and at some point it hit us, wait a second. We're going to a wedding. We don't need to be talking about funerals right now. And so we had to get out of it. Okay, get back into the mode of wedding because we're not here to bury somebody. We're here to marry somebody. Sometimes when we talk about the ending as Christians, I'm afraid we have a tendency to talk about the ending like it might be a funeral. Because let, let's face it, you know, if you go through the book of Revelation, there's some scenes in the book of Revelation that you don't want to read your kids at night before they go to sleep. There's some things that are going to happen, trials and tribulations that are going to overcome this world, that when we read it in the symbolic way in the book of Revelation, it's scary stuff. But if we look at Revelation 21, the grand ending, the purpose of it all is that we are not looking at a day of a funeral, we're looking at the day of a wedding. John is, is brought to this place, and the angel says to him, he says, uh, look and behold, and, and when John sees it, a new heaven and a new earth, and he sees that all of the trials and tribulations that the world went through up to that point was simply a way to prepare the world for the new kingdom of God that would come down out of heaven. And John, the best way he can describe this is like a scene from a wedding where everyone is lined up. Think of the heavenly hosts and the saints that are left on earth. Think of all of the Christians that are there watching this take place. And then what begins to enter in is the kingdom of heaven. And I I picture Jesus as the groom because we talk about Jesus preparing for his bride. And I picture him ecstatic and happy. And he can't wait to see the kingdom come down to earth. And as John is seeing this, let's pause for a moment just within the first two verses. We have moments to celebrate. This is a beautiful ending that we are looking forward to. And to think it all started back in Genesis 6. Or excuse me, Genesis 3. Need to read my Bible more. But if you go all the way back to Genesis 3, what happens? Mankind is put in a garden... God is with them, and mankind disobeys God. Sin enters into the world, and almost immediately when that happens, God says, I am going to redeem these people. I'm not going to do away with them. I'm not going to destroy them. I'm not going to forsake them. I am going to take time, and I am going to redeem them which means everything that happens from Genesis 3 to Revelation 21 is all a preparation for Revelation 21 to take place. Now, it's difficult, for sure, because if you've ever prepared for a wedding, it's not easy, is it? It can be stressful. And sometimes the stress that you go through in the middle of the wedding, when you get to it, it's completely worth every bit. And as John sees this bride coming down out of heaven, he hears a voice from heaven and God gives three promises to us as the new heaven and the new earth come down. The first is he says, the tabernacle of God is among men. So when this wedding takes place, God says he will establish his tabernacle among men. Now, we were able to sit in on the children's connection classes this morning, and and I got to say it was incredible. And they were talking about Moses. And and, in the connections class down there, they were talking about Moses and obedience. And this is where the tabernacle is first introduced to God's people. Remember God's people, as they're wandering the desert, they have their tents and they have what they need to live in. And God says, well, hold on a moment. You all have a place to live in, but I need a place that I'm going to meet you in. And so he has them establish what's called the tabernacle. Later, what it turns into when they get into the promised land is the temple. But the idea here is that the tabernacle would be at the center of the Israelite people's camp. And God would meet with Moses and the Israelite leaders. And when he would descend down into that tabernacle, it would fill with smoke. They couldn't see anything, but God was present. The idea behind all of this was that God would truly be among his people. He would be with them. And so whenever they established this tabernacle, they knew that God would come into it and speak to them. So when the new heaven and the new earth are coming down, one of the first promises God gives is that the tabernacle of God would be among men. The promise that God gives is that He would be with us. Think back to Genesis chapter 3. What was God doing when Adam and Eve first sinned? What was His intention in the garden? It was to walk among Adam and Eve, right? Right? He wasn't a loud voice calling down into the garden saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? He was was walking the path that Adam and Eve would walk. He was looking for them among the trees. Now, he's God. He knew what was going on. But the benefit that Adam and Eve had is they could be with God without barrier. And so when God promises, I will tabernacle among men, what he means is that he is going to come down and he is going to be among us just as he was in the garden of Eden. He is redeeming mankind to this point that at the end, we will finally see him face to face. Back in Israel's day, they could only see him in a cloud of smoke. In fact, the closest person to get to him face-to-face was was Moses, and that was just God's backside. That wasn't God's face. But there's going to be a day where we can finally see God face-to-face, and he will be among us as if, though, we are a tabernacle waiting for his presence. The second promise that God gives in all of this is that he will be our God, and we will be his people. Now, we are already God's people, aren't we? Yes? Yes, thank you, thank you. And he is already our God, right? Yeah, that's right. But there's going to be a moment at the end of time when he is our God and we are his people without barrier. There is going to be nothing in the way between us and him. Let me give you uh, an example of what I mean by this. A couple weeks ago, I was able to go on a field trip with my son. He is in uh, preschool right now, and he goes a few hours a day, and they did a, a field trip to a local apple orchard. Now, I am his father, and he is my son. Everybody knows that. You know it. I know it. I tell people that's my son. He tells them I'm his dad. But when I got into his classroom to sit with him, and then when I got on the bus to sit with him and his friend, and then when I got off the bus to pick apples with all of them, there, there was a relationship there that had no barrier. See, before, he could point to me in the classroom and say, that's my data. And then I would give him a hug and I would leave. But now there's a point where he can look at the kid next to him and say, this is my dad. I'm his son. Now, he didn't quite put it in those terms, but he stuck next to me. He was proud of me being right there. He was happy that I was on this trip with him and doing things with him side by side. This is what the ending is going to look like. When God says, they will be my people and I will be their God, there's not going to be a barrier. There's not going to be a hindrance in that life that keeps us from ever thinking that he is not our God. There is never going to be a moment of doubt that we are his people. There's not going to be a temptation to think that God has abandoned us because he's going to tabernacle among us and he's going to remind us each and every day that he is with us to care for us and to love us and we are going to be his people and we're never going to leave. It's going to be a glorious day because God is going to remind us of the relationship that we have with him without barrier. And the third promise that God gives in all of this is he will wipe away every tear from their eye. Let's just pause just on that statement right there alone. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. God is coming to provide comfort. Now remember what I said, as you go through that book of Revelation You see the scenes of heaven and it's beautiful and then you see the scenes of earth and those are scenes you don't necessarily read to your six-year-old before bed at night. Those are difficult scenes. Those are filled with trials and tribulations. The enemy is going to outright attack God's people. But God is coming to provide comfort at the end of it all. And he says, I will come to wipe away every tear from their eye. I am coming to provide my people comfort. I'm going to tabernacle among them. They are going to know that I'm their God and they are my people. And I'm going to comfort them in the most profound way. He's not just going to wipe away every tear from our eye. He's going to do away with the things that cause us to cry. No more sickness, no more death, No more pain. You know, we talk about the trials and the tribulations being ahead, that they're coming. Folks, let me tell you, the trials and tribulations are already here. The trials and tribulations of the end time, we've been going through them as a Christian church for centuries with persecutions. We've been going through it for centuries with death, with sickness, with pain. And God's promise is that when he comes, he's not just going to comfort us in the midst of those trials and tribulations. God is going to remove them completely from the earth. Think of it this way. Most of the time when you go to the doctor and you have uh, some kind of pain, like let's say your knee is hurting or your shoulder is hurting, what's one of the first things they prescribe you? Advil. Advil anti-inflammatory some high-strength pain reliever and the idea is the doctor wants to comfort you of that pain so that it goes away and doesn't bother you anymore but what's the end goal that you have in mind when you go to the doctor you want what's causing the pain to go away and so you say you know immediately okay doc I'll take the anti-inflammatory, I'll take the painkiller, and that'll remove the pain from my body. But what is causing the problem in my body that I need to take painkiller? Do I need a surgery? Do I need something done that's going to solve this problem? That's what we're looking forward to as a church. That at the end of time, we're going to be comforted. Tears are going to be removed from our eyes. We're not going to mourn anymore. But the reason we cry and the reason we mourn is going to be done away with. At the end of time, death is going to be gone. Earlier in in Revelation, it says that God will cast death into the lake of fire. God will cast death out. Death is no longer going to be among us. Sin is no longer going to be among us. So what causes us pain and frustration and the trials and tribulations in our life are going to be completely removed, and only God is going to remain to provide us that comfort. Are you happy for the wedding day yet? Are, are you excited now that we know the bride is going to come down the aisle at any point? That Jesus is gonna come at any moment. This is why we pray, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. This is why, when trials and tribulations happen, this is why, when we hear about a shooting, when a loved one passes away, when we have to say goodbye to somebody, this is why, when all of that happens, our first thought should be brought into Jesus, come back quickly. Make things right for your people. And as you look down in the rest of that passage, Verses five through eight, as you look down through the rest of that, God talks about uh, uh, for those that believe in him, the tree of life is going to be offered. Life and life abundantly is going to be offered. And then for those that don't believe, they're going to be cast out, which means this, when trials and tribulations happen to us, when somebody wrongs us, when somebody sins, We don't look to enact punishment because we know what's going to happen if they're not forgiven. This is why we as Christians, when something bad happens to us, our first thought is to pray for those that persecute us. This is why our first thought is to pray for our enemies. Our first thought is to pray for those that do wrong because we know what's going to happen if they don't believe God is going to come to redeem everything, and He's going to cast out sin and death, and He's going to provide us comfort. The wedding day is approaching. Let's not talk about funerals anymore. Let's talk about the wedding day when Jesus returns to His people and establishes His kingdom here on earth. So, how do we do that? How do we prepare for this wedding day properly as a Christian community? Well, I believe that in those first four verses, we're actually given the indication of how we can prepare. Watch this. God is going to tabernacle among his people. He's going to be our God and we're going to be his people. And he's going to comfort us. In the meantime, until those things occur in fullness, what God has given us here today, first, he's given us the Christian church. God is among his people in this place. When we come into this sanctuary where two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit is here among us. God God is not just among us when we walk in. He's been waiting for us to walk in. He's been sitting here waiting for us to walk in and turn on lights and get the music ready. He's been waiting for you to come in and pray and and worship. God has prepared this place so that he could be among us in this place. And not only that, God's prepared this place. God is among us in this church. He leaves with us whenever we go. He doesn't stay behind and say, okay, guys, you have a good week. I'll see you next Sunday. I'm just going to stick around in this building. God doesn't care about this building. He's leaving with us to go to those places that he sends us. So at the end of time, he is going to come in full body, and we are going to physically see him as he's among us. Until then, he has given us the Holy Spirit to be among us and to give us assurance that he is with us. That's one of the ways that we prepare for the end is we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is already here guiding us, leading us in worship, pointing us to Jesus Christ, giving us the words of God the Father. God is among us today. How else we can prepare is to remember that we are God's people and he is our God. Now, we're doing this with barriers. We're doing this with sin that's still in the world, with death, trials and tribulations and sickness. All of those are going to be barriers that the enemy is going to use to try to keep us from remembering that we are God's people and he is our God. But with the Lord's help, he can get us through that. So no matter what we go through in this world, we're reminded to fully rely on God. You guys, including myself, are really weird people to this world. I don't know if you know that, but the closer you get to Jesus, the less you blend in with anybody else in this world. Because we say and do things that are really peculiar. Like when someone tells us that we're going through a tough time, we offer to pray for them. We don't don't just give a listening ear, but we say, can I pray for you right now? And then we do it. We're peculiar people because when someone says, hey, I had an issue and, and it went away, the doctor doesn't know. We say, yeah, I prayed for you and God healed you. See, we're weird like that. We talk about Jesus as if though he's real. We worship God as if though we're going to see him someday. We live in a way that is so different from the world that when they look at us and say, what is wrong with you people? We say, oh, well, we're just God's people. We are God's people and he is our God. And even though we go through difficult times, we know that we can fully rely on him. And we know that when we obey his commands and we do what he tells us to do, it is the happiest life you could ever ask for. So we're given that even today, that we are called God's people and he is our God and he will lead us through those barriers that make it difficult. Which makes it to the third way that we prepare for this wedding day. And that is, we allow the Holy Spirit to comfort us in everything that comes our way. At this point in time, sin and death still reign in this world. At this point in time, We should know by now that our loved ones will pass away. That we will pass away. That sickness is still in this world. That there are still some that choose to sin. But we have the Holy Spirit who provides us with all comfort. One of the ways he provides us with all comfort is he heals us. So there are times where we are sick or somebody else is sick, not just sick, deathly ill, on their deathbed, and we pray over them and the Holy Spirit comes and heals them. There are stories throughout the world of people that have died and Christians have prayed over them and the Holy Spirit has healed them and brought them back to life. We believe that God will comfort us by truly healing us. But we also believe that even in those moments where God does not heal, even in those moments where death surrounds us and we go to the Lord and he doesn't remove that, he is still among us and he is providing us with all comfort. There's a reason that when Jesus was ready to leave in John chapter 14, his disciples say, well, can we go with you? So Jesus does ministry with his disciples for three years, and then he lets them know that I have to die. Uh, I'm going to be raised by the Father, but then I have to go. And his disciples love him so much, they say, well, can I go with you? And Jesus, uh, basically, Jesus says, you can't handle where I'm going. But what he also says is not just I have to go because I need to be with my Father. Remember what Jesus says. He says, it's good that I go so that the Holy Spirit could be among you. Jesus is with the Father right now, but he sent us the Holy Spirit. And what does Jesus call the Holy Spirit? Comforter. He is the one that comes to comfort us in our time of need. He is the one that comes to comfort us in our trials and tribulations. So as we read through uh, Revelation 21, as we see that it's a wedding day and that God is going to be among his people and that God is going to be our God without barrier and that God is going to come to comfort us, that is the end goal. And folks, we are already stepping into that end goal with the presence of the Holy Spirit in this church. So what do we do with this? That's how we prepare for the end time. What do we do next as we leave this place? Well, first of all, pray for the ending to come quick. Pray for the ending to come because it is not an ending like a funeral. We are praying for a wedding day. We are praying that King Jesus comes back to this earth and establishes his kingdom so that we can see God face to face And death will be no more. Pray that this would happen quickly. And finally, invite as many people as you can to the wedding day. Invite as many people as you possibly can to be a part of this final day. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Remember, the Holy Spirit's not just contained in these walls. He doesn't leave you when you leave this place, which means when you go out to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going with you. And whether you know it or not, He's giving you the words to say. And it, and it doesn't have to be spectacular. Trust me, some of the conversion stories I've heard came at some of the weirdest evangelistic moments. One story I heard the guy slammed the door shut in the face of the evangelist and said, I want nothing to do with that. And then a few hours later became a Christian because he heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit stayed with him to speak the gospel to him. And that's when he believed. So you don't have to have fancy words, you need the Holy Spirit. But the end is coming. The end is approaching. But it's beautiful. We are looking forward to an ending that God is going to tabernacle among his people and he is going to walk among us as if though we're in the Garden of Eden and we get to see him face to face. God is going to come without barrier, without sin and death in the way without any problems, and he is coming to remove all sin and death from this world and to wipe away every tear from our eyes so that we will no longer have to mourn anything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray for this wedding day to take place quickly. Lord, we we pray that you would return to establish your kingdom. We pray that you would return... To meet your bride. But Lord, in the meantime, what we ask is that you continue to prepare us. Continue to prepare us for that end time. Remind us of your presence here in this church. Remind us of your presence when we leave this place. Remind us, Lord, that you are with us wherever we go. Jesus, you said in the Great Commission, that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. Remind us of that, God. And Lord, we pray that as we go, you would put on our hearts all of those that we are called to invite to this wedding day. Not just that, Lord, that you would call us to those that we are called to invite to prepare for this wedding day to be involved in your church, to be involved in your people. Lord, we do this all for your, for your glory, Father, by the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.